Well, today we want to talk about um, expecting God to show up. And, and we've moved into the Advent season, which this year it's the four weeks, um, le- the four weekends leading up to Christmas weekend. And so, um, and so this week we want to talk about expecting God to show up. Real quick, I, I just want to um, walk you through our thought process and, and, and the Outbox theme. This Christmas, every Christmas, we celebrate the coming of our Savior. We celebrate the birth of Jesus. But honestly, the birth of Jesus in the Christmas story is a very out-of-the-box story. It's not what people expected. Um, people had been waiting for, year, for, for centuries for the coming King, for the coming Messiah. And they had expectations of what that was going to be, and they were waiting. But the Christmas story is an out-of-the-box story how the Savior came. The things that happen in the story are out of the box. And, and so, so this Advent season, we really want to focus on the out-of-the-box Christmas. And th- this morning, we're going to talk about expecting God to show up. Just real quick, next week, we're going to talk about the miracles of Christmas and how God is working miracles. We're going to talk about the next week, the, the God, how God's plan stretches us. The fourth week, we're going to talk about not our kind of kingdom, but God's kind of kingdom. And, and then I'm really excited about this. On Christmas Eve, that's Saturday night, uh, we're going to actually have our access service be our Christmas Eve service at 5 o'clock. And, and we're going to talk about Christmas Eve, how Christmas is for everyone, how the coming Savior and the coming King is not just for us in the church, but it's for everybody And then on Christmas morning, we're going to talk about the ongoing story of Christmas, how this isn't just something that happened that we celebrate from long ago, but it's something that we're a part of, and it's something that the the Savior is continuing to work. And so we're going to start this morning in expectations, expecting God to show up. So let's have a little fun real quick. Do you remember what it was like to be a child at Christmas time? Nod your head if you remember what it was like to be a child at Christmas time. All right, all right. Do you remember the anticipation of Christmas morning? I mean, looking at the tree, getting excited about gifts. Do you remember that when you were a child, the anticipation? Holly just talked about it quite a bit, about how she's thinking about it all year. And November 1st? November? Okay. That's, that's early even for, for you, I think. But... Um, but the anticipation, do you remember that? So, so real quick, I want you to take a second, and, and I want you to turn to someone around you, and I want you to talk about the, the biggest moment of anticipation that you had growing up at Christmas. Maybe it was something that you wanted. Maybe it was something that you were looking forward to. Share that with somebody around you real quick. All right, we got some, we got some good conversation going on. That's great. All right, let's bring it back. Do you, I mean, do you remember staring at the tree? Do you remember getting ready for Christmas? I, I mean, I, I just remember as a kid um, how we would start decorating and we would put the tree up in, in the month before and then presents would start showing up under the tree and you're looking at them and you're wondering what they are and, and you're looking to see who the tag is for, you know, whose is this? And you're trying to figure out which ones are yours and you're excited and you had this anticipation of Christmas. I was thinking about this. In, in, in my house, there is a lot of anticipation for Christmas right now. In fact, the boys are kind of driving us nuts 
with their anticipation of Christmas. Last night, we had to have been asked at least 20 times when we were going to put the tree up. And we were going to put it up last night. But like, can we put the tree up now? Can we put the tree up now? Come on, can we decorate? Can we do this? I mean, they're excited. And I remember those days. Um, and, And Pastor Holly said she's still excited. I couldn't help but think about the difference of Christmas time when I was a child from, the, from, from what it's like now. And, and so I was thinking of some of those differences. Um, one of those would, would be, and, and Holly talked about this, was that we, we couldn't wait to get up on Christmas morning. And so in our house, whoever would get up first out of the kids would go wake up the other, the other siblings and say, it's, come on, let's go get mom and dad, let's do presents. And so they would, we would get up as early as we possibly could. Well now, as parents... We want our kids to sleep a little bit. We don't want to be up at 6 a.m. opening presents. We want to sleep. That's one of our holidays of the year, and holidays are a good time to sleep. And so it's like you're threatening your kids, like, stay in bed. Do not get up. Do not get up until we tell you you can get up. I mean, there's such a difference from then and now. Another thing is, is our Christmas list. When I was a kid, it wasn't so hard to make a Christmas list. There were plenty of things that I wanted for Christmas. Now everyone asks me what I want for Christmas, and I don't know. Clothes, I guess. I, I don't know. I mean, usually if I want something, I go get it. So the, the difference between when you were kids and you had this big list, and maybe some of you still have a big list, um, but, but this big list of things that you really wanted, or maybe you had that one thing that you really wanted... Versus now, it's, it's, there, there's not that anticipation. It's, it's, it's hard to think of something. We can never think of something to get my dad. We have, I mean, socks, ties, I, I don't know. The, the anticipation of, of what you're going to get. The, I talked about this, presents being opened as soon as we got up. As kids, we wanted the second we got up to run in and start opening presents. And, and as adults, that you understand that there's going to be some pictures probably taken while you're opening presents. And so you don't want to wake up and start opening presents. You want to brush your teeth. You want to comb your hair. You want to take a shower. You want to put some good clothes on. You want to eat breakfast. Most of you probably want to have a cup of coffee to wake up. And so you have this tension of the anticipation of the kids and, and, and just wanting to do things the, the, the way that is comfortable. My family Christmas, I'll I'll never forget growing up, one thing that we always did before we opened gifts was dad would read the Christmas story to us. And and if you're a child, then you know that that's like, that's brutal. You're sitting there listening to dad read, and you are looking at your gifts thinking, I want to open those, and we got to read this story. And sometimes, like this year, Christmas falls on a Sunday morning, and I grew up in a pastor's home, so we Went to church, obviously, on Sunday morning, Christmas morning. And so we didn't get to open our presents until after church. So we had to wait through church, and then we had to wait through the reading of the Christmas story. And it was brutal. That was how my family Christmas went. But you know what? I'm thankful for reading the Christmas story all those years. I'm thankful for that focus and that time that we had. Even though we wanted to rip into presents, I'm thankful that my parents were intentional about making sure that we were thinking about what Christmas was really about. And so what are you anticipating this Christmas season? What are you anticipating? What are you expecting this Christmas season? Going back in time before the birth of Christ, 
Um, we, we see a people in Israel, um, God's people, who had been through a long struggle. We see a people who had been in slavery. We see a people who had been in a journey through the desert for 40 years. We see a people who every time they seemed like they got it together, they would struggle again and fall off and, and, and mess up, and they'd be cast into oppression again. And so we see a people in Israel that had struggled for so long, and they were anticipating a coming king. So I, I was actually asked Megan the other day, what's a good example of somebody who's been anticipating something for so long? What's a good example? What, what's a, a present day example? And I'm a little embarrassed that I didn't come up with this quicker, but how many of you are Chicago Cubs fans here? Yeah, you guys have been struggling for so long. If you follow sports, then and you saw the World Series, then you know that the Chicago Cubs and the Cleveland Indians were in the World Series against each other. And the Chicago Cubs, it had been over a hundred years since they had won a championship. And so the anticipation and the struggle and the waiting, the Cleveland Indians weren't far behind. It's been over 60 years since they've won a championship. And so we saw two fan bases, two cities, and even more than cities, fan bases that felt that anticipation and that struggle, and are we finally going to get it? And, and honestly, both cities were probably thinking something's going to happen and we're probably not going to get it. But they had this expectation. And as a sports fan, I'm not a Cubs fan. I'm not an Indians fan. But how could you not be a fan of that excitement and that anticipation. And I'll never forget when they hit the ground ball to third base and, and, and Bryant was coming up to field it, you could see a huge smile on his face because he, he knew the magnitude of that moment of all of the years of anticipation were coming to an end and it was their time. And he threw the ball to first base and got that out and the celebration began. If you're a Cubs fan you experienced that celebration. I had one of my friends, a grown man, on Facebook posted a video of him going out into his garage and singing Go Cubs Go as loud as he could while he poured stuff all over him and was dancing around. I mean, just being ridiculous. I, one of the things I loved about seeing the Cubs win were the stories that surfaced of people who had spent their whole lives People saying, you know, my grandfather spent his whole life rooting for the Cubs, waiting for this moment, and it's finally come. The anticipation. I think the Cubs fan base is just a, like a fraction of what we're seeing from the Israelites. We're not talking about sports and not winning championships. We're talking about a people who were broken, who had been struggling, who had spent years and years and years of oppression and this cycle of up and down. And there would be good days, but then it would always end up being bad. And we see these people who are anticipating. So one of the things I read that I thought was, was really cool was, was the idea that, you know, in, in anticipation of Christmas, we're reading the night before Christmas to our kids. And, and we're talking about um, Santa coming, and we're talking about Christmas and all of this fun stuff. But think about thousands of years ago, them sitting with their kids and reading the prophecies of what was to come. It wasn't about presents. It was about their people finally being redeemed. It was about the years of struggle and pain 
being ended. And so in Isaiah chapter 9, we read this. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. And so we see this prophecy that you've struggled for so long, you've been broken for so long, you've gone through so much, but there's a coming king. And this coming king is going to give you peace with no end. Imagine that anticipation. That's so much bigger than a baseball championship. That's so much bigger than presents or decorations or any of that stuff. This is a coming Savior. You know, even though I think that anticipation was great, I would imagine that at times people kind of lost sight of it. I would imagine, I, I don't know about you guys, but, but there have been years since I've grown up that, that I feel like I've kind of missed the season of Christmas. We lived in South Carolina for four years, and it's really hard to get into the Christmas season when it's 70 degrees outside. We expect snow on the ground. We expect, I mean, it, it was, there, there have been years that, that I felt like I just wasn't really prepared to experience this. And I would imagine it was the same thing, even though they had been through this struggle and even though they had this anticipation, I would imagine that there were years that, that they just didn't really believe it was coming. I would imagine they had feasts and festivals that would keep them focused and excited about it. And I would imagine that there were years that those feasts and festivals were more about going through the motions and were less filled with hope and were just kind of the every year, this is what we do. But we see something different in Luke 2 in the story of a man named Simeon. And so let's read this together, or I'll read it to you actually. Luke chapter 2, verses 22 to 35. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother mar marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed." And a sword will pierce your own soul too. And so we see this moment in Scripture. We see this man who had been waiting. 
we see this man who was righteous and devout, and it says that he was waiting on the consolation of Israel, or he was waiting on the redemption of Israel. And we see this moment where the coming king, the, the coming Messiah, is brought to the temple, and he goes, and he sees him, and he holds him. And we see that moment like we were talking about with the Cubs winning the championship, that moment of we did it. I mean, I, mean, I can't, that pales in comparison to Simeon and all the years of frustration. And, and the baby, the Messiah, the Savior is here. And he holds him in his arms. And he has peace. But what do we know about Simeon? We know that he was righteous and devout. And we're not talking about like the Pharisees. We're not talking about somebody who just went through the motions and was good at the church thing. We're talking about somebody who lived right. We're talking about someone who had it right. The second thing we know is that, that he was waiting on the redemption or the consolation of Israel. He had been waiting. The third thing we know is that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, it says that a spirit had come to him and said that he would not pass away until he saw the coming Savior. And then the fourth thing we know is that he prophesied something awesome today, which we'll get to later and we'll especially talk about on Christmas Eve, that Christmas isn't just for the Jewish people or the Israelites, it's for everyone, that this baby, this Savior, was coming for everyone. Can you imagine his anticipation? Can you imagine having lived right and, and understood the, the story and the history of the people of Israel and the struggle that they've been to, through? Can you imagine knowing that the Savior is coming? And can you imagine knowing that you're going to see the Savior, the baby that's going to change all of history, the baby that's going to bring salvation for all that will believe? Imagine that anticipation. It's much more than what am I going to open on Christmas. It's much more than the excitement of decorating. This is the Savior of all mankind. Can you imagine that? And all of a sudden, we see this moment in the temple where the baby comes and it says the Spirit led him to the temple and he sees the Messiah and he takes him in his arms. And what do we read? We read that he wasn't disappointed. It wasn't a letdown. It was everything he thought it would be and more. In fact, it says that he basically says, I now have peace. I can now go in peace. I can now die in peace. This Advent season, I believe that the Messiah, that the Savior, wants to show up. I believe God wants to be with us this season. I believe it's more than just going through the motions. I believe it's more than just thinking about something that happened 2,000 years ago. I believe that the Messiah and the Savior of all people wants to show up this Christmas. I think we need to be preparing ourselves. I don't know about you, but, but I don't want to go through this Christmas season and this Advent season and miss the real story, and the real message, and the real celebration. I don't want to go through this season getting distracted and thinking about the wrong things and just have it be another year of Christmas. I want the Savior, the Messiah, to show up in my life. I hope you're there with me. 
And if that's going to happen, then I think we have to take some cues from Simeon. There are four things I think we have to do that Simeon did if, if God's going to show up in this Advent season. Number one, he was righteous. He was living right. If we expect God to show up this Christmas season, we have to be living right. We have to be obedient to God's calling and God's working in our lives. We have to be obedient. Number two, he was in tune with the Spirit. He knew the Spirit. The Spirit had come to him and spoken to him. He, he knew the Spirit. In order to experience God, we have to be in tune with the Spirit, Spirit this Christmas season. And we do that through worship. We do that through prayer. We do that through reading Scripture. We do that through gathering together, but it's more than just coming together on Sunday morning and worshiping together. It's about your time by yourself, spending time worshiping the coming Savior. We have to be in tune with the Spirit. Number three, he had perspective. He kept his perspective. When many may have been going through the motions and missing it, and many had maybe gotten focused on the law and the, and the things that they had to do and all of these little intricate things, he didn't miss that there was a coming Savior that was going to save all people. He kept perspective. Don't lose perspective this Christmas season. Don't get caught up in the going through the motions. Don't get caught up and being busy and all the things you have to do and shopping and working and, and all of these things. Don't miss it because you're focused on the wrong things. But know that there's a coming Savior that wants to show up this Christmas. And number four, he expected God to show up. He expected God to show up. If we want to experience God this Advent season, then we have to expect that God is going to show up this year. We have to expect that God is going to show up this Christmas. One thing I love about what Linda talked about is that that was God showing up and making a difference. That was the coming Savior showing up. Now we know that the baby is born. That happened long ago. And so we know that, that God's not going to show up in that way. But, but we believe that God wants to be here with us this Christmas season and make a difference in our lives. And even bigger than that, that God wants to make a difference in the lives of everybody around us. And so I don't know about you, but I expect God to show up in this Christmas season. I believe that God wants to give us peace. I believe that God wants to give us hope. And I believe that God wants to give us the love to reach out to the people around us and tell them that the Savior has come. And so this, mor this morning, we're going we're gonna to light the first candle um, on the Advent wreath. And this is the candle of prophecy or expectancy. And we light this together. And as we gather together today and as we gather together through this Advent season, I want us to expect God to show up. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be together this morning. And we thank you um, for your word, and we thank you um, that this is much bigger than just um, a traditional celebration. We thank you that you're our Savior. And we thank you that what happened thousands of years ago means something today. 
that, that, that you want to come and you want to show up this Christmas season and you want to make a difference in our lives and the lives of the people around us. That you want to bring us peace and hope. And so, Lord, I pray that in this time that we would worship together. I pray in this time that we would expect you to come. And I pray that as we sing together and, and as we go through this Advent season, that you would show up, Lord. We love you and thank you in thy name. Amen.